Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. I'll be reading Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Blessed be the reading of God's precious, merciful instruction to our hearts and our minds and our walk and our life. And so, Father, let us see what structurally and grammatically is simple. But it's not simple to grasp it with our hearts, to be moved and to be motivated by Your Holy Spirit. So I ask that You do that within all of us this morning. That Your presence be heavy and with us in the midst of Your Word unfolded to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Picture that you're, you're a Marine patrolling a minefield in Afghanistan. You've been given a map because reconnaissance has gone before you and they've laid out where all the mines are with their detectors. And so you have a map in hand and you got feet. You need to walk. You need to be vigilant. You need to study the map and then look very carefully where you place each foot as you go across the field so that you don't get blown to smithereens. Paul is saying that's what the Christian life is like. We must walk very carefully throughout our journey in this mortal life. Or as he would say, through the present evil world. Times are evil. The enemy of our souls has planted explosives all around our lives. But our Savior has given us a map of the minefield. The Bible. The Word of God. In order to negotiate our steps. To walk very carefully. The visible church is filled with many people who do not pay attention to the map of the minefield. They just cruise along through their lives oblivious to the explosives that are all around them. And that's why Paul is warning us 
in this text, don't neglect the minefield map of wisdom. As Christians who have been in internally changed, this was last week, from darkness to light, we've been born again, he says now we are to walk very cautiously, carefully, vigilantly in and through this world because the time that we have from here to the grave is filled with evil. It's filled with distractions. It's filled with deceptions and temptations. That's the text. So let's go to it. Ephesians chapter 5, if you look there, at verse 15, you see in the ESV the word then. So then, or really means therefore. So now what we have this morning, in other words, the therefore points us back to verses 8 through 14, where he has essentially said, walk as children of light in a dark world, refusing to live sinful lifestyles like the unbelievers, like you used to be an unbeliever, and like you used to live. And now verse 15. Therefore, in other words, every one of us Christians is walking in a world, in a city, in a school, in a culture that is morally and spiritually dark. And Paul says, therefore you must have your eyes opened. You must look. And that word look, modified with carefully here, in its context means consider with all precision the steps you take in your life. With a clear-headed, clear mind, I will go this way, not that way. Verse 15 is simple. I mean, structurally, just simple. You read it in English, it's simple. Look, he says, look, be aware. Have a keen eye of carefulness on how you walk. Live out your life. And then he restates it again at the second part of verse 15. He, he just says the same thing, but he gets more specifically. What do I mean by be careful on how you walk? I mean, don't walk as those who have no wisdom. Don't walk as the unwise. But walk as one who is filled with wisdom in how you walk, how you live your life. Walk as the wise. Walk. Paul loves the word walk in the book of Ephesians. Let me just give a taste of how he's used the word so far. Because this word walk, which means I walk, that's his word for your lifestyle. In other words, how you move through life. How you live your life. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, he said it this way. And you were, before you came to Christ, you were dead 
in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. In verse 10 of chapter 2, for we Christians are His workmanship, born again or created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in those good works. Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In verse 17 of chapter 4, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, Christian, that you must no longer walk as unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. Chapter 5, verse 2, Walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave Himself up for us. And last week, in verse 8, He said very clearly, Walk as children of light. And so now we come to our text. Verse 15, 16. Look carefully then how you walk. Live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. And so he's clearly saying, if you just drift through life without thinking carefully about how you spend your time, then you will not be where God wants you to be. You won't be a biblically gospel-saturated person. You won't be close to God. Because you don't schedule time to be with God. Because you don't schedule time to fellowship with God's children around the truth. You won't have friends who are pursuing Christ diligently in their lives. You want to know why? Because they're pursuing Christ diligently in their lives. And you're not. Oh, they'll do things for you, but they won't be close. You won't have close friends who grab your hand and worship the God you can't see through the Gospel message of what happened in history and that your life is turned around. And you think, look at this. We love Him. It won't be happening in your life. You won't have those close friends who will get into your face and say, it seems the way you're walking pointing to a hardness in your heart. What's going on with you? To walk carefully, you must be skilled at reading the map. Or if you're dyslexic, like I am, 
someone else reading the map to you. It's the same thing. It's to get the information, the truth that's there. The map of the minefield in order to apply it to how you make decisions. Small ones and big ones. There's no other way to walk carefully the way Paul means here. Which, if you just look at verse 17 for a second, which would mean understanding the will of the Lord. Paul's talking about. You cannot not understand the will of the Lord and then walk the way he's talking about in this context. There's no other way to do this but to absorb, to study, to read, to hear read, to love, and to navigate your life's decisions around the Scripture. what Paul is driving at. Not as people who don't have wisdom, but walk as wise people in Christ. Walk. And wisdom, that word that Paul uses here, is a huge theme in the Bible. Actually, within the Old Testament, there are those books that we call the wisdom literature. Like many of the Psalms, the book of Proverbs, book of Job, Ecclesiastes. And Paul then tells us how to walk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And the basic meaning of wisdom in Proverbs, in the Hebrew, it has to do with skill. It's one thing to know some information. It's another thing to apply it. Let me give you a silly example. Just picture somebody who has no athletic ability to hit a baseball, to throw a baseball. But the person could try to help their child and get on the internet and look at instructions and be able to give some information. Now that stance, don't hold your hands out here. Get, get, get your hands back. They could do that, okay? But that person has no wisdom, well, okay, wis- no skill themselves to do the action of hit. Th- that's, what, that's what wisdom is. It is A wise person knows how, is living, doing life properly. It's wisdom. The fool isn't. And and Proverbs 9.10, it lets us know that the very foundation of wisdom is living in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the groundwork of wisdom. To walk in wisdom is to apply yourself to get more wisdom. More discernment on how to make smart, wise, righteous, good choices. And there's no difference here in Paul's mind, between 
walking in wisdom and walking in holiness. You can't just sit around and watch nine reruns of the old Batman TV show every day while you eat bonbons and then say to a Christian friend, yeah, I wish I were more holy. I wish I were more motivated to worship Christ fully with my heart. I wish I were driven to serve Christ, to be a better giver and a better server. It won't just happen as you sit and watch Batman. That's why Paul gives the command. Christian, you need to act. You need to do something today, tomorrow, and the next day. Specifically, you need to look carefully about the decisions you are making in your life daily. Look carefully how to walk in wisdom. Skillfully Spirit lad. That's where he's going to go next, isn't it? Be filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. So that means self-discipline. Self-discipline is a New Testament virtue. Just look at Paul's letters. Self-discipline is the biblical key to growing in the Lord, to growing in wisdom on how to live life skillfully. That's why Paul calls self-control a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And listen to how Paul applies that fruit to his own life from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting with verse 24, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize. So Christian, run! But run in a way that you may obtain the prize. See, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it in order to receive perishable wreath, a trophy, an Olympic gold medal. But we, Christians, we do it in order to receive an imperishable crown or trophy. And so, Paul says, this is how I live. I do not run aimlessly without a goal. I do not box as just beating the air. No. 
But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That is walking in wisdom. By definition, self-discipline means going against what you constantly, naturally feel. But not just, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. No, 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 no. That won't work, and you know that. It is disciplining. I won't go with what my body, my mind, my feelings are saying right now because there's a higher goal. And that's wisdom. So there you are. Do I watch three movies over the next nine hours tonight and then go to sleep? Or do I write the term paper that's due in the morning? Now, all things being equal, you might choose the movie. Sometimes you need to just shut down. That's not the situation there. There's a higher goal. I want to make it to the Olympics in my sport. But every morning I wake up, it is amazing. My body screams, stay in bed. Don't go meet the coach. Just eat donuts and cheesecake all day and flip through the TV. And the fool does that. And they won't make the Olympic team. Or as Paul says in his text, that is how the unwise walk their life. Proverbs 2, it tells us where wisdom comes from in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord's mouth has spoken He has given us His holy, inerrant, infallible written Word through the prophets and the apostles and those close to them. But more than that, watch this, this is it. Jesus, the the personification of wisdom, of the Logos, always with God, God visited us in wisdom in the person of Christ. At the core of the wisdom Paul is talking about, it is the person Jesus Christ and the Gospel, the message of Him. And all of those glorious promises that motivate you, I want that! I will get out of bed and not eat donuts all day long. Let me just read. Listen carefully how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, about wisdom and the core of what it really is. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where is the debater of this age, world? You're in the world, but not of the world. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, 
did not know God through its worldly wisdom. Therefore, it pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach. Christ crucified. To save those who believe. And then he ends the chapter with, And because of God, through new birth, shine a light on you. He called you. Because of God, you, believer, are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The wisdom Paul is talking about There is a way that the worldly, as unbelievers, can make wise choices in differing areas of life as opposed to worse choices. But at the core of what he's talking about is the Christian life. He's talking about a wisdom that is unattainable to anybody who has not been born again. He's talking about Jesus Himself. Through God shining the light on the Gospel and opening your eyes and thus you grasped Him. He is the essence of wisdom. He became our wisdom. And therefore, to walk in wisdom, you must be feeding at the table of God's holy Word. Psalm 1 declares, the godly person meditates on His Word day and night. And thus, he or she becomes like a tree that's planted right by the stream of water where the roots are fed and go deep. In other words, that person is sturdy and strong in wisdom. The Word of God is the constant source of wisdom. The Word of God in all its forms. Being read as it's been read this morning in the corporate gathering of the community. Being read in the home as you read to someone else as they read to you. Of the Word of God being preached and being taught in the local church. And by private Bible reading and thinking and meditating and praying. This is God's way of shaping His people to think biblically about all of life. Or to say it Paul's way, He is causing us to look around and walk through the minefields of deception and destruction and temptation As we walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. The Word of God directs our steps. It tells us what righteousness is. That is, what right living is. What it looks like and what it's not. It lays out the godly character qualities that we are in constant desperate need to grow in and have developed in us as we're being conformed to the image of Christ. 
The Scripture warns us about the many temptations and points out directly what many of them are that we are to avoid that would bring much harm, much chaos into our lives. That's what Paul means when he says, as you live, live as a person filled with wisdom, not as the unwise live. So, if you're still there now, let's read this again and try to make sense out of what Paul is saying in verse 16. Start with verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Okay, let me give you my literal translation first. He says, before the, verse 15, live wisely. Okay, how? By redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Let me do it again. I'm just going to flip the logic backwards. Verses 15 and 16. Because the days we live in, Christian, are evil days. Therefore, redeem. In other words, buy back the time. In other words, that's how you walk and live in wisdom. I know we could have a conversation for an hour and it might fun. Okay, that's the best I can do in a sermon. That's what he's driving at. The word to redeem, which is what the word is, it means to buy something back, right? I needed the money. Doggone it. I went to the pawn shop and pawned that family heirloom. I got the money and now you gotta, I got to get the thing back. You, gotta go, you want to go redeem it. You need to pay. Buy it back. That's what the word means. And Paul here, therefore, seems to say there's something that has a grip, an ownership over time. And he says, redeem it. Or, buy it back. And what is that? It's right there. It's really clear. Right? It's evil. It's it. See the the clause? End of verse 16. Because the days are evil. That's why you need to redeem the time. Remember what he said back in chapter 2 about us in our darkness before we come to Christ and our sins in which you once walked. How? Following the age. Following this present time. Following the course of the world. 
the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's what he's saying. That's still all around you, Christian, but God did a miracle. Made you alive together with Him. You have so much time left. Redeem it. Don't let the vacuum cleaner of the spirit of disobedience suck you in. Christians are to buy the present time out of its slavery to evil when it comes to your own personal journey and walk on a day-by-day basis. In other words, he's saying, don't live according to the flow of this present world that is in Satan's grip. But instead, use the time in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. In verse 17, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we saw last time, in verse 10, as you walk this way in wisdom, Paul says, we are proving through our walk what is pleasing to the Lord. Redeem the time. Time is almost everything, isn't it? Everything is related to it. We're finite. There's only so much of it. You only have so much left. It's one reason that many times, by God's grace, as one gets older, right, Bob? Okay, yeah. We think more and more about using the time that's left more wisely in light of eternity. Because we who are believers are no longer in darkness. As he said, we are in light. We're not of this world, though we're in it. And so, we try to evaluate what really matters. Moses had a journey. Pharaoh's house, first 40 years of his life, often in the wilderness, in a nowhere place, nowhere man, for his next 40, and then his last 40. And when he's old, he says this in Psalm 90, about time. And the brevity of life. So teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work our hands. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't fear God if you don't come to the realization there is one God who made me, created me, will judge me, 
Oh, let me count the days. I'm going to meet Him. And it changes us. Oh, what am I doing with my life? Oh, establish the work of our hands. It's like Moses saying, Yes, Lord, don't let me waste my days with the time I have left. Let me redeem the time for Your glory because if I coast, I'll be caught up in the flow of the river of these present evil days. That's walking in wisdom to For the unbeliever, for them life is all wrapped up and tied up in the bondage of futility and meaninglessness, even though they pretend temporally they make up meanings. You grow up, learn a trade, go to college, get a career get married, raise kids, make money, make more money, store it away, retire. you got a big nest egg now to go travel the world. And in between plane flights, golf. Golf. And then plunge into eternity. Only to realize I missed it. I missed everything. I missed the point, the purpose. I wasted my life in darkness. And the Creator says to him, You fool. Today, you must give an account of your soul, of your life. You didn't redeem the time. Why didn't that person? Because they were in bondage to this present evil time. To this age. And so Paul says to the church, Oh dear believers, don't be a fool. Don't live like the unwise, but live like the wise. Buy back. Buy back. Keep purchasing the time that you have left. Christians grab every opportunity to grow, to know the Lord more and more and more in order to be conformed to His image. And it looks like all different kinds of things at different times with different personalities and in different cultures, but it comes out in all these different ways that they are buying back the time. They raise their children up in the ways of the Lord. She or he may decide, I'm going to go do missions to this lost tribe. Learn their language. Spend my life figuring out how to get it into writing so they can have the Gospel and the Bible. 
When they decide, you know, I feel that God's calling me to homeschool and stay home with my own kids. It's not the only way. But, but they were buying back the time in saying, we're going to live on one meager income and not try to keep up with the Joneses. We're driven that way. Over there, she realizes God's given me time now at this point in my life where I can minister to the saved and to the unsaved alike. I can be a friend. I can go to lunch. I can help them. I can visit shut-ins. I can open up my home, my life, and be hospitable. See, believers... They pursue righteousness, goodness, and truth-bearing. They pursue being better stewards of the resources that God gives them to invest as a lifestyle into the kingdom of God that is here and present in the gospel communities. And on and on and on. By walking carefully in this evil world, believers buy back every opportunity they can find for the kingdom of God. And often, the world, a husband or a wife, a mom, a dad, siblings, cousins, friends, neighbors, Respond. What? You're going to another Bible study? You have how many kids? How, how could you have a great time eating and drinking and being married? That's what life's about. If you stop coming to all of our parties, drinking, Passing away time. You've turned into a boring person. And the believer says, Oh no. You have no idea. My life has never been so exciting buying back the time by walking in the light and refusing to practice these lifestyles of unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, see, there's a man who lived 2,000 years ago named Paul. And what he says so resonates with my heart as he said, indeed, I count everything is lost because of the surpassing value of knowing, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, for His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and in comparison, I count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ, so that, that I may be found in Him, so that I may know Him know the power of His resurrection. Yes, now that I may even share in His sufferings, becoming like Him, so that by any means possible, I may attain 
the resurrection of the dead. Oh, you, you poor family member, neighbor, friend who remains in darkness. I wish and I do pray that you could see what I see. And thus you could walk in this wisdom that I am so mercifully able now to walk in. And so, Paul then, in verse 17, draws the conclusion again. Therefore, do not be foolish. But instead, understand what the will of the Lord Jesus is. In other words, the flow is like this. Walk. Live carefully. Use the time you have left very wisely. And therefore, because this world, these days are filled with evil and deception and distractions, don't be Foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, of the text, it's most important, not what I say. I hope you see it now clearly. Paul is saying that understanding the will of the Lord is what it means to be walking in wisdom, redeeming the time and how you live. It is knowing. It is grasping. In other words, getting and living skillfully the will of the Lord. His will. Say the same thing with a different word. His word is what keeps your life on the pathway of following Jesus. When Paul says that the opposite of being foolish is grasping what the will of the Lord is, don't just fill that in with all kinds. Oh yeah, that's right. What job should I take? What suit should I wear today? It's not what's on his mind in this When he says, know the will of the Lord, he means something really deep. In the book of Ephesians. He means what he has taught about God's eternal purposes. And because of the glory of God in them, how you are now to therefore conduct your life because they reflect on that glory. That's what he's grabbed. In chapter 1, just listen to what he says about the will of the Lord from chapter 1. Because it's been a long time since we've been there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of 
God. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to the purpose which He set forth in Christ. In Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, God has a will. And His will in the book of Ephesians at its core has to do with His eternal purpose to be glorified by summing up all things through and in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, Understand these things. Paul says you must work in order to grasp God's purposes with your mind so that it will guide your steps in how you walk or live your life. He's clear. I hope I was clear of making Him clear. And so, now, let me just as next seven minutes flesh this out then with six applications for us. First, all of us Christians called to grow by knowing God's purpose for creation and salvation and our daily walk, which is to be reflecting His eternal purposes and truths. That's how we walk in wisdom. That is, by applying the revealed will of God, the Scripture, to our lives. Secondly, therefore every one of us is to go on obeying the will of the Lord. That means obeying the commands on how to live. The commands of the Lord. That's the Christian life. That's why Jesus said, If you do love Me, you will obey My commands. Commands like back at verse 3 of Ephesians 5. But sexual immorality, 
and all impurity and covetousness for sex, sinful sex, must not even be named among you as is proper among Jesus' people. And so we are to live out His revealed Word. And you will learn by experience, according to verse 10, Ah, that's pleasing to the Lord as He works that in me. Thirdly, it means being committed to the church. When Paul was speaking about the will of the Lord back in chapter 3, he said it this way, starting with verse 9, and gave us all this in order that what, to, for that we would bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery which has been hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church that's the gathering of God's people. Not so that through individual people floating around in the world, calling themselves Christians, but through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose which He has accomplished or realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot love the head. That is Christ. You can't love Him. If you are amputated from the rest of the body, the church, the body is one body. And the whole body is connected, the neck, to the head. That's how it's set up. This is why Jesus said... They will know you. They'll know you belong to me. Use the word disciple, though. They'll know you're my disciples. How? By the love you have for each other. That doesn't happen without the church and what he's talking about the community. Fourth, to walk in wisdom and to not be a fool means, therefore, we must be committed as His people, as the church, be committed to harmony and unity with other believers in the church. No matter how different we are, from a worldly standpoint. Cultural, 
family of origin issues, language barriers. The example in Ephesians, you can't get more stark different. Jews are being saved. And Gentiles are being saved. And Paul has belabored this point when he said, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. You were having no hope and you were without God in the world. And those terms he used was the Jewish community just looked at you like dirt. But many are being saved from the Jews and from the Gentiles. And so he says this in verse next verse 13 but now now you've been born again now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off from all of this have been brought near by the blood of Christ and so Paul says in chapter 4 verse 3 bear with one another in love be eager this is walking in wisdom to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. Fifth, we must be conscious of the reality that by God's mercy He saved us. And thus He makes us witnesses of His saving glory to a lost, dark, and dying world. And that's why the way we walk is crucial. That's why we're called to live by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, abstaining from sinful sexual relationships and walking in righteousness and goodness and truth shining as lights in a dark world in order to expose the darkness of those who are yet without Christ. Always being ready to give an answer. Because here and there they'll pop up. Something's obviously different about you. What are you looking to? What is this hope? Why are you so happy? You know, you got problems. Like I, what's, tell me about this hope. And we're always ready, as Peter says, to say, yes, let me tell you about the hope. And you lay out the gospel. And finally, it means that every one of us who's been called to Christ, one of the reasons we are called to Christ is in order to buy back the time that we have left on earth. We are to be diligent to make the best use of the time. Pursuing Christ 
through His Word, through His community, and as a light in the world with all of our hearts. If you just work in order to make more money, in order to pay the bills, in order to enjoy more worldly pursuits, and retire for 25 years, sipping on lemonade between golf rounds or fishing, then Paul says you're a fool. We are to live in order to experience and to know more of the Lord Jesus in the power of His resurrection, bringing light and life and help and service with the message of salvation to people. And so, look carefully then how you will live, to how you walk. Don't walk as fools, as the unwise walk, but walk as those who are wise walk. And do it making the best use of your days, of your time, because the days we live in are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But go on understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. And on behalf of all of us, I pray we cannot do this We cannot walk wisely. We cannot walk in righteousness. We cannot grasp Your will left to ourselves today and tomorrow. And so we acknowledge that You are everything. That salvation, justification, sanctification, and future glorification are all Your work. And so we cry out to You. Ask of You, plead with You to work this text. True wisdom, true walking and living in wisdom. Work it in us, Your people that we won't be a lamp hidden under a bed, but shining in the midst of where You've placed us to the glory of the name of Jesus. Amen.